Welcome to Words That Move Me, the podcast where movers and shakers like you get the information and inspiration you need to navigate your creative career with clarity and confidence. I am your host, Dana Wilson, and I move people. I am all about the tools and techniques that empower tomorrow's leaders to make the work of their dreams and live a full life while doing it. So whether you're new to the game or transitioning to your next echelon of greatness, you're in the right place. Well, hello, my friend, and welcome to Words That Move Me. I'm Dana. Thank you for being here. And dang it, I love dance. I love dance. If the podcast itself was not a proof of that, let me just say it right at the top of the episode. I am Dana, and I love dance. I have been dancing a lot lately. Um, dance gives you endorphins. Endorphins make you happy. That's probably why I'm proclaiming my love of dance uh, profusely right now. Dancing a lot, training a lot, choreographing for fun, not for work, a lot. Been seeing dance out there in the world. Dance on dance on dance. Big fan of that. Uh, and if you are here, you are probably also a big fan of dance. So thank you for your fandom. I am here for the normalization of the fandom of dance. That is the business that I am in. And get ready, my friends, because this episode is full of dance fandom, full of dance talk, full of dance love. Today, I am talking to Alif Sankey and Kim Blank, two wonderful women with careers full of dance and so much more. I cannot wait to share this conversation with you. But first, let's do wins. Today, I am celebrating a new dance friend. I am celebrating Sarah Ito, who I met at class about a month ago. Uh, and today we had a little one-on-one -on -one jam session. And I'm just speechless. Um, genuinely astounded <laughs> by her talent and the simple fact that a girl from Colorado, like Aurora freaking Colorado, that's me, and a girl from I'm going to get this so wrong. I'm going to try to pronounce it Ishikawa, Japan. Yes, that's where Sarah is from. Aurora, Colorado, Ishikawa, Japan, wound up in a living room in Sherman Oaks, California, dancing together for hours on end because of dance. Just that's why. That's how this relationship came to be. A very special person, a very special talent. Um, I'm going to link to Sarah and her Instagram account just so you, your mind can be blown in half. Um, anyways, let's keep it pushing. That's my win today. Passing along to you. What is going well in your world? Any new dance friends, perhaps? Uh, tell me about it. Say it out loud. And if you do have a new dance friend, go ahead and text them. Tell them that you're stoked to have them in your dance life. Uh, yeah, hit me. Congratulations, my friend. Keep on winning. I'm cheering you on from my little pod booth. Even though my cheers have to be pretty isolated, it's kind of small in here, so I'm not able to do any big herkies or kicks or anything. But I am cheering you on. Um, keep it up. Okay, let's do this, shall we? Alif Sankey and Kim Blank have remarkable careers and remarkable stories. They're going to share those. Uh, today you're going to hear about how these two longtime friends came to meet and how they came to be dancing alongside Michael Jackson in the Smooth Criminal music video. You're also going to hear their philosophies on longevity. This is priceless, my friends. Enjoy this conversation with Alif Sankey and Kim Blank. Alif, Kim, <laughs> welcome to Words That Move Me. I'm stoked. It's it's been a little while since we had um, a, a a triage, a, not triage. I know that's not the correct word. It's been triage. It's definitely the wrong word. We can start over. <laughs> Edit. Um, uh, uh, it was a combination of trio and montage. <laughs> it's the wrong thing. The last time I had three people on the podcast was over a year ago. I am very excited to have 
kind of group conversation, especially, I feel like this is sort of a ladies who lunch moment. I'm excited for story time. I'm excited to get to know you both better. Welcome to the podcast. So glad you are both here. Thanks. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So here's how it starts for better or for worse. I ask all of my guests to introduce themselves. Uh, So simply tell us anything you would like us to know about you. We'll start with Alif. Hi, everyone. My name is Alif Sankey. I have been for a long time a professional dancer, assistant choreographer, co-choreographer, choreographer, performer, actress. Now I'm adding filmmaker to my, my list of creative artistic endeavors. And I've been around, well, I'm going to say this right away. I am 60 years old. Get it. And I have been around for over 40 years. (laughs) I love the seasoning that you are bringing us today. Decades of seasoning and stories. I'm so excited. Okay. Yes. Keep going. Don't let me, don't let me stop you. I started in the business at 18. 1980, right after my 18th birthday. Um, my first job was with choreographer Tony Charmony in a TV special called Musical Comedy Tonight 2, starring Danny Kay. Kim, yes. Kim responds. Dana does not respond. I don't know who Danny Kay is. Oh, 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 they're upset. They're upset, guys. Everybody's mad. Okay, hold on. Google's. We're not upset, but yes, no, Google. It is amazing. I'm sorry. I'm interrupting the story to say I'm shocked that to think of a leaf as working with Danny Kay because uh, somebody I know worked on the Danny Kay show and he's Ooh. 20 years older than me. Okay, work. and he's in his late eighties, so mm-hmm. that is kind oh, of yeah. amazing. That yes, that was that was my first gig, um, first television gig. Okay, and I'm just now uh, learning. Danny Kay passed away in 1987 at 76 years old. Is, mm-hmm. Am I looking at the correct Danny Kay? So yeah. for some context, there, I was born in '86. Okay, <laughs> what yeah. the heck? Okay, okay so now, but we're getting generations of goodness. Keep going, Alif. I love yeah. this. Uh, um. First gig and working with some legendary talent of the day. I mean, legendary talent. Um, Vincent Patterson was in this special. Uh, I'm going to try to find it. I can name, you can, I think you can YouTube excerpts. Julia Prowse was starring Lynn Redgrave. Richard Crana, and this is off the top of my head, I'm and impressed. I actually have my resume. To yes, you shop do. Memory. Yes, you do. But it's but it was it was music. It was a musical, and it was a history of musicals. So I got to do Sweet Charity, one of my uh, favorites, the Big Spender number. Oh, it's so good. Yes, and it was. Uh, recreated, sort of co-choreographed by Sonia Haney, who was back in the day, um, you know, incredible Fosse dancer. But that was my first, my first gig. And that's amazing. um, From, from that point on, um, I worked off and on. The next big job was Suzanne Summers. Um, I did a television special for her. That was on the USS Ranger in San Diego on an aircraft carrier. Carrier that was incredible. That was eighty one, nineteen eighty one. Amazing! Oh my god! So you were how many years old? I was turning nineteen. Right, and then I got to tour with her off That's and on. Cool. There was a lot of there. Uh, Suzanne Summers and Margaret. I mean, and others, they were all doing the Vegas touring uh-huh. circuit and, and the, I just, I was around just all this amazing, Legendary all stuff. amazing talented dancers. We're going to talk stories. We're going to get into stories. I, and I love, I love the, the, sh- the sharing of the names is so important. Uh, but 
eventually I'm gonna I'm gonna pull this back because and lead into Kim because uh-huh. in between all of this, the reason why Kim and I connected, yes, and we please. connected in the middle of all of this, you know, of the career, was Vincent used to teach at a studio called L.A. Dance Center. Mm-hmm. And I was taking his classes at 16 years old, mm-hmm. 15, 16 years old. Kim sucked for Vincent. Like one, I know you don't remember, but I do because that's one of the first times we met Kim. So Kim has been in, in, in my life, in my circle, and I've been in her circle off and on for that amount of time, a good, a good 40 years, you know. That's so, fantastic. Yeah. Okay, great segue. Take it away, Kim. Tell us everything <laughs> we need to know about you. <laughs> well, um, uh, or, yeah, it's, it's, go ahead. Were you going to ask? I, I was just going to say, or everything you want us to know. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> or need, want, I don't know. So right. um, it, it's interesting because I've been trying to think exactly when did I meet a leaf. And I thought it was around Vincent's classes. And I thought that he was teaching a jazz class in Hollywood. Um, I'm picturing a studio on Santa Monica Boulevard. Yes, that's it. And it was called L.A. Dance Center. Okay. I didn't realize it was what it was called. But I had forgotten that I, I guess I was subbing for him. But that does ring a bell now that Elif brings that up. That, <laughs> that, that might have happened. That, that would have happened. That that did happen. Right. So, um, and so when people ask me that are like just my neighbors in it, you know, or people I meet, you know, just randomly and they say, well, what do you do? I say, I work in movement. You know, that's how I sort of love up. that answer. And um, they're like, what? What does that mean? Well, you know, so I'm a dancer, choreographer, teacher. That's that's how I've worked in movement. And as a teacher, I've worked both in teaching group classes as well as privately. And the range of my experience that I pull from when I'm teaching includes my dance background and the training I had in ballet, jazz, and then um, some modern, and then the somatic training I got through the Feldenkrais method, which Mm. was a very big influence in my life, which helped me learn about how I was moving. Mm -hmm. So that helped me both in my own body, but it also helped me with how to communicate movement to Mm -hmm. so-called non-dancers. Because at that time, I think dance vocabulary used to be a little bit abstract pull up was you right. know something like i used to hear and it's like i realized no i need to actually huh. feel the floor and push down to, to like find opposition maybe yeah exactly <laughs> so it, it, it taught me a lot it taught me about um how i was using myself in my daily life that was making me prone to certain injuries and so forth mm. and and also helped me with my flexibility and so, and then on the other end of the movement spectrum was this high energy. It was always high impact when I started. I used to teach a 90-minute high impact aerobic class three days a week that started at 6.15 a.m., three days oh a week God. at Jane oh Fonda's, and it was packed. <laughs> I so, am imagining um, John Travolta, Jamie Lee Curtis. What's that movie called? Perfect? Is it called Perfect. <laughs> I think I so. Think, yeah. Yeah. Like it's like super fitness, like a lot of vertical hops, a lot of ho- like punching and kicking and squatting and like pelvic thrusts and being in the absolutely most fierce high cut leotards. Is that is that what we're working Something with? Something like that. Yes. And yeah. and along and along the way it was you're right about the vertical movement. And it was yeah. it wasn't low impact when I started. It was high impact and I I was asked by management to speed up my warm-up at a certain point you know can you make your warm-up faster and then about three months later they're like okay everybody slow your warm-up down because people are getting injured or yeah you you need to warm up but um (laughs) anyway i have you know but it was great training ground and i met some really interesting people including the person that hired me to choreograph my first film and um so that it was it was great. And it was also, uh, I mean, I started probably my first jobs were in the mid seventies. So I was doing early music videos and, Mm -hmm. um, 
and auditioning. And I was also working with a, with a dance group called the LA Knockers. And we were doing this kind of, um, a leaf smiles. She starts giggling. So that, that was, you know, so, and I was in and out of college. I ended up finishing a degree in English lit at UCLA, but, but I was trying to find my, my way as a dancer. That was, and I was at Roland Dupre. Um, I, I don't, I, I, I should have had better notes here, but, um, no but somewhere along the way, I realized, you know, I was waiting tables at three different restaurants, answering phones at a law office, a real estate office. And when I was in, I had been in New York with a job. When I came back, people said, oh, we're, we go to aerobics classes now. We don't go to dance class. And I, I was like, no. But I went and I was like, okay. And the, the head teacher asked me if I wanted to teach there. So it was a great way for me to get out of the the you know the having to spend nights waiting tables yes and to do yes. something that was in my realm yeah so, and in your body and in my body yeah that's fantastic a little known fact for the for the listeners of words that move me that think they know me out there um i <laughs> oh it's gonna be good I'm proud of this, but people are going to laugh. I, for a short time, taught a workout class uh, called Paloxing, which is a fusion of Pilates and boxing. boxing. And it went, it went quite similarly. I was a student at the gym, yeah. and I loved the classes. They were more or less choreographed, like section by section. You wear uh, sandbags on your hands, so they're, they like fit your hands so you don't have to hold weights, which I really loved because I have, I have fragile wrists, mm. um, and I also had Lyme disease, which made my joints uh, kind of achy. Whatever. Anyways, I loved paloxing. I loved the music they played. I loved the series. I loved feeling strong. I loved fake fighting. And then one day they needed a sub, and they were like, "You you know all the stuff, right?" And of course, because I pick up fast, so yeah. I became a sub before I was even trained <laughs> up. And then I trained up and then I taught for them for a little while. So shout out Ploxing team. Love you, Vivica. Um, wow. <laughs> it's, and Courtney, love you too. Uh, it, it really was. It was awesome. And when I think of dancers entering the workforce and needing a side hustle, my mind says, why not have a side hustle that that is in your body or is also in art somehow, whether that be yeah. um, video editing or being a PA on set, getting the experience, being in your body, doing something like that, it really does feel right. Although I will say, I also know people that went the Starbucks route and now have a pretty healthy chunk in a in a retirement and pension fund. Yeah, yeah, so there's yeah. the, there's value there too. Um, yeah. yeah. I, I noticed that neither one of you, this is me segueing by the way, uh, you both mentioned being there for like the early music video days, but I just want to toot your horns. Alif, you're one of the original dancers in Michael Jackson's Smooth Criminal. Kim, you're in the you're in the music video for Thriller. These are two of the most iconic music videos of all time. What the heck was that like? Was it like being on a movie <laughs> set? Did it feel larger than life? Or was this just like what you do today? Kim, you start with Thriller. Okay. And and Kim was also in Smooth. Yeah. Okay. Also. Good, good, good. So we both have the oh my gosh. shared experience in Why Smooth. Why do I not have Sindra Che here right now? We gotta, I gotta, <laughs> right? I gotta you got to get Sindra Che. I got to yes. get, I gotta get exactly. Sindra Okay. Okay. Yeah. Carry on, Kim. So, yes, I I met Michael Peters. I, I found his classes at the Cornet Studios on La Cienega while I was still in college, actually, and um, going in and out of this college. And I just, fell in love with his style of class. And um, so I followed him to different studios and it was amazing. I, I, I remember being in my, my living room of the apartment I shared with some other people, you know, my roommates and he called and said, are you available? I'm choreographing a, another video for Michael Jackson. And uh, I always tell people, he said, it's not a glamor gig doll. Got it. <laughs> it's not going to be a glamor so this, gig. This was after he Michael did- Peters. Right after Michael beat did it. after Michael Peters did beat it. Okay, I did have Vincent on the podcast recently, and we talk a little bit more about that chapter if people are interested in getting uh, his take. But I want to hear yours. So of course I was available. I was thrilled, and <laughs> um, you know, but and and I had like I said, I'd been following him and been part of a, a group of people that he was 
workshopping material on um, mm. after hours at Dupre Dance Academy. Vince was part of that group, Bill Goodson, Maureen Jahan, and Flo Lyle. And um, that anyway, so it was it was amazing. I mean, at that time, I guess I, I felt like I was one of the younger ones on the set. There were people like Lorraine Fields, Michelle Simmons, and um, Gary Chapman, who who were triple threat, but mostly I just was trying to really get the steps right, be in with everybody, you know, be in sync with everybody else. Mm-hmm. And I was amazed at the, the, the group of people that I had been selected to be part of, mm-hmm. you know, and one of the, one of the things, like I said, Michael said, it's not a glamour gig. And um, he wanted people who could bring like feeling and personality to mm-hmm. the, 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 the mix. So, so I, I was just like, I've got to get my steps right. I want to be sharp. I want to be clean. And, and then Michael Jackson would walk into the room and then the whole level of, of professionality of performance of feeling would just go up notches. And mm-hmm. that was something striking both on thriller and then later on smooth criminal that I noticed a, a, just the, He's quiet, Michael Jackson, and even shy, I would say. That was my impression of him. But to to be in a room of like professionals that have all this experience, knowledge, charisma themselves, and then to realize, oh my goodness, there's like levels up. Um, so like a palpable shift in temperature in yes. energy. And everybody having to like, okay, now we go higher. Yeah. Palpable <laughs> is a good word for it. And yeah. you know, so, and then, you know, it was hard work, you know, especially shooting overnight in the street that they were wetting down and, and all of that. And, um, oh my God. And the makeup was, you know, I was just uncomfortable to say the very least, I'm sure. Was it? Yeah. Especially the after taking it off. I remember my face swelling up and then oh, you have man. to come back the next day. And my face is like twice as big and Oh my that, God. How many days was the shoot for Thriller? It was two days. That's what I okay. recall. Two days. Or two nights? Two, two nights. Two nights yeah. overnight. Yeah. And I, wow. think we, I think maybe we rehearsed for about a week, but I could be wrong. What I'm was fascinated. amazing to me also later is cut to a few years later, as I said, I was working at Jane Fonda's teaching aerobics and there was a woman there that um, hired me to teach aerobics in Japan to, to train, help train teachers in Japan to be aerobics teachers because it was really popular in Japan. So I oh, don't know, I that was maybe like four years later. Maybe not that long. I mean, it could have been three years. I'm not sure. But I just remember getting to Tokyo and everybody knew the choreography. Whoa. <laughs> and, and you were like, I, okay, this is huge. It's, it's this huge, is huge. huge. But while you were in it, did you mm-hmm. know that this is legendary stuff right here. This is going to be forever known. No, I mean, I didn't, I wasn't that wise about projecting. I just knew it was the biggest, it was probably the biggest job at that time. You know, it was, it was following beat it, which was huge. I knew it was huge. And then it was a huge privilege for me to be involved. I knew that, Mm -hmm. but I, I don't think I could imagine decades later that people would want to know about it. Yeah. From me, me, you know, and, and that it, but it, you know, you know, so I teach workshops and have since I would say starting about eight years ago, people started reaching out to me to teach workshops, maybe 10. And Mm -hmm. it, it's always amazing to me that that's something people want to do, but then I teach it and I go, I see why, (laughs) you Mm -hmm. know, because the Mm -hmm. choreography is so special. And then there was a special, anyway, I could go on, you know, it's just, yeah. But did I, I know? It. Yeah. No, you didn't know. Alif, Vincent talks a lot about the prep for Smooth Criminal in his book, Icons and Instincts, as being a very long process and there being a lot of, uh, you know, highs and lows of that process. Do you? How do you remember it? What was it like to be there? I remember everything. Because for me, that was my, that was my biggest job uh-huh. um, of my career at that time. And I was 
24, 25 years old we, when I auditioned for Smooth. And I had taken a time out. My side gigs, by the way, were I went to retail. I started working in retail. Party and of so one in over between, here. In between gigs, I was in retail. And this happened to be in between gigs when they're, you know, I was auditioning, but nothing was happening. Mm-hmm. So I'm working in retail. And then I get the phone call from Vince for the audition. And I hadn't been in dance class in, in, in like months. But I get a phone call from Vince saying, you know, there are auditions for this music video with Michael Jackson. I want you to come in. I'm nervous, 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 nervous. And I go to the audition. I believe it was at Debbie Reynolds, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, Debbie Reynolds. And there were hundreds of dancers. Long story short, I didn't have a good audition. Mm. (laughs) But luckily, because Vincent pretty much trained me a lot, he was one of my main teachers. Um, He knew I had the ability. He knew I could do it. And Mm -hmm. he pulled me aside. He said, I don't know what your problem is, (laughs) basically. (laughs) But. And I said, I'm sorry. I know I can do this. And 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 he, you know, I got in. I, I made it, but I had to prove myself. And I and to, you know, during the whole course of the of the job. But it was amazing learning curve for me. Yeah. It it took me I I paid attention to every detail. And Vincent is a storyteller. So knowing that I could remember, you know, we had to create our own characters. And that was fun for me. I love that. And so we all had our story. And Michael was the, the main focus. He walked into our space. He walked into our club. And each one of us, which is why this video visually was so amazing because each of us, and there were 50 of us, each, each of us were in character. We had our own character. We, we designed our own persona from once we got, once we got in hair and makeup and costume, we were, we were there. We were all present and we all related to each other in our characters. And Michael was this outsider. And so we all were like, who is he? You all had different attitude about this new person. It was so amazing. And we stayed in character. You remember this, Kim, you know, just throughout the the whole process. And then of course, we rehearsed this a lot because it was so detailed. Every Everything had a movement. Everything had a purpose. Every look had a reaction or a response. I mean, we it was it was just amazing. So yes, the work took longer, but it was just fascinating. And I and I haven't worked like that in that detailed in a long time, you know. Mm-hmm. And it, it, it was just, I was just in awe the whole time. And then Mike, the first time Michael came on the set, of course, I'm, I'm first a fan. Yeah. <laughs> and then, you know, Vincent had to give the Michael Jackson speech. Okay. What's, what's the Michael Jackson speech? Okay. Vince, Vincent would go, okay, everyone, Michael's coming today. You need to get it all out <laughs> of your system now. <laughs> You, like we have a lot of now, work to do. Fan out now. <laughs> yeah, you you need to get that all out because we got to work. Yeah, you know we have to work. So of course Michael comes in, and you can feel, as Kim says, you can feel the level of energy go higher and higher. And when we showed Michael the like a first run through, it he was he couldn't wait to jump in. It was just 
Oh, that must have been a great feeling to, to be received with equal enthusiasm as what you had been putting into it. And um, it, it's one of the most amazing experience that I could ever imagine having. And yeah, I, I, I loved every moment, every moment. And I made I, a lot of friends. Oh, I thought you were going to say money. <laughs> and no. I made a lot of money. No, not that. <laughs> well, you, yeah. <laughs> I mean, at that time. At the time, it was a good, in, good paying job. Inflation-wise. Yeah, it was yeah. a good paying job, and you were on it for a month. Oh, yeah. yeah exactly. Yeah. yeah that doesn't exist for music videos anymore. Right. A month-long well, rehearsal process for a music video is unheard of. And that was, and that was before Dancers Alliance. I mean, that was before, you know, Cam, you remember we were part of that whole, you know, of getting dancers set. organized. Yeah. yeah. Getting us together so that you weren't just compensated in meals. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. I think the video we, you and I did, Kim, um, Steve Winwood's. I was going to bring that up. Yeah. We did another yeah. video together. We yeah. did that together. And the money was good because we were, we had, Dancers had bound together by that point. That was the beginning stages of it after we did that video. Because I remember going to the meetings and I remember, because the video processes were long hours, mm-hmm. you know, at yeah. that time. And, and, and I did a few of them. And almost <laughs> always concrete, almost yes. always fog, yes. almost always something As obstructing your vision. Yeah. Maybe that's a good segue because I think that a huge, maybe vital component to longevity is being organized as a community. Like when I th- mm-hmm. when people talk about longevity, we often talk about the individual. Like what did that one person do? What did Tony Basil do to be still dancing in her 80s? But I think something that's under-evaluated and certainly undervalued is this concept of being a coordinated workforce, like part of the reason my generation will be able to benefit from their SAG pension is because people like you helped us get SAG, I mean, well, helped us be recognized as something other than extras, first of all, mm-hmm. have our own category, number one, and then be, you know, earning health and pension contributions for our work on camera. So I I I would love to hear a little bit more about what you both think are the key components to longevity because, I mean, Kim, you are an Emmy-nominated choreographer. Alif, you were a producer on This Is It. Um, I You guys have both kept going and doing things, and I know that people listening aren't in it for the flash-in-the-pan moment. I think a lot of people that are listening to this podcast want to be doing this as their career. I would just love to hear what you both think about how to get that done, how to do that, and how to keep doing it. That's a setup, right? That's a tough one. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I think, (laughs) yeah. So shall I? uh, Take it. Yeah, go ahead. Okay. I I love that you wanted us to think about and had this theme of longevity, um, because it is something that I've thought about and worked with. Mm-hmm. And I have been involved with, I was involved with the choreographer's efforts, just this is like an aside, but because you brought it up years ago, you know, decades ago, whatever it was in the 90s and the 90s. early, uh, yeah, in the 90s to get representation for choreographers in some kind of union because there wasn't. And and, and also was, to, to, you're a founding donor of the Choreographers Guild, the first I ever am. actual union for choreographers in TV, film, commercial, blah, blah. So. Woo woo, love that. Yes, I, I was. Yeah, I'm happy to be able to do that. Yeah. So back to longevity. Um, uh, so for me, it's it, a key to longevity is learning. Mm. Just just being willing, not only being willing, but wanting to learn. Ooh, I started learning from my injuries when I was in my early 20s. Well, that was a huge gift because by the time I was in my 30s, I already had methodology for increasing my flexibility and strength as I aged. Mm-hmm. Not even just maintaining a level. Yeah, but I, but I was able to actually improve in some of my skills because you inevitably lose, you know, uh, the, the kinds of things, whatever chemistry you have in your body, 
when you're younger, right? Mm -hmm. And um, so, so learning, uh, learning, learning how I'm operating in the world, learning how it is that I'm trying to do a grand bat ma, for instance, when mm -hmm. I was frustrated that I didn't have flexibility, and I realized, well, I don't really know what I do. I just try really hard, and then I try really hard again in the same way, and that's hmm. not getting my leg any higher. Hmm. And when I heard the the quote from Moshe Feldenkrais, something like, "When you know what you do, you can do what you want," and or when you don't know what you do, you you, you can't do what you want until you know what you're doing. And I realized, okay, I have to examine, analyze, feel myself. What 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 is the the process? But it applies not only to the physical, you know, it applies to the emotional life also Oof. and figuring out. Um, so for me, that I do believe that my my um, work in therapy and self examination has mm -hmm. also helped me to keep going in this, you know, career path that I wanted to, to follow when I was younger. And actually, if I think about it, even when I was in my teens and still in high school, it wasn't a path that seemed obvious from my background at all. But I loved dancing. And I recognized that I felt better after a dance class, after my mm -hmm. Saturday afternoons, taking two or three dance classes. And mm -hmm. so I recognized that it was helping me emotionally and that I enjoyed it and that this would probably help me in my mental and emotional health. And then the other part was it would be easy for me to follow this other path that, I, you know, sort of was laid forward for me maybe, um, but that I would learn more by trying to become a dancer, whatever that meant. Mm. I didn't really know how I would do that, but I just knew that it would be difficult, mm -hmm. but that I would learn things that I wasn't going to learn by following this other path. And I think that that's true. So I think learning and the wanting to learn, that's so important. Not even just learn. being like, okay, I'll learn, but like actively I want to know more. Yeah. I think that's so important. And also the emphasis you put on how. How am I doing this? How am yeah. I doing that? Versus look what I'm doing. I'm doing stuff. I'm doing. I've got more to do. Like I, I'm a person who is very interested in a to-do list. I, mine are long and they stay packed. And I, I am inspired by this thought and excited to take a closer look at myself. Like how am I doing these things? Is it yeah. functional? Is there a more yeah. efficient way? Is it... Do I even want to be doing those things also just because exactly. they're on the list? I'm doing them. Um, right. Yeah, I, that's, a, that's a huge help. Thank you for that. And then a, yeah. a second thing I'll, I'll, I'll say is that finding more than one way to do what I love to do is also, was also a key. So, okay, I want to oh be a gosh. dancer. I want to I be on stage. But, oh, I can teach movement. Yes. And so when the jobs aren't there or I'm not the right whatever, I yeah. have that way of expressing myself in movement. I'm choosing the music. People like to see me. It's a kind of performance. I'm also helping. And then yes. choreography. So it's three different ways that I've been yeah. able to use movement and keep going in my career. And that was another idea that is also in the Feldenkrais. Um, in his writing, he talks about it's if you only have one way of doing something, then you have to behave compulsively in whatever that action is. If you have two ways, now you have a dilemma. Do I do it this <laughs> way or do I do it that way? It's only until you have three ways of doing the same thing that you begin to access the human potential for creativity. So, mm -hmm. and I think that I, I realized that somehow that I, I felt like I had a braid, like these yeah. three strands of one braid. And then the last thing I'll say about longevity, and then I'll hand it over, is when I was in my 30s, and I, my, my mid to late 30s, I started to realize, oh, I'm getting older. <laughs> and, mm -hmm. and it's different. And first, I, I read an article about this famous ceramicist, Beatrice Wood, who was over 100 at that time and living and working in her studio in Ojai. California. And she had been a, an artist and a, um, part of the Dada and Surrealist artistic uh, 
community in in the twenties. And um, so I'm like, oh, this woman's 101. She looks beautiful in her saris, and she, you know, she opens her her studio. I'm going to go make a pilgrimage for my. I think it was my 36th birthday. I just want to see this woman in person, and I considered this like a, a kind of pilgrimage for myself um, to see what it l- would look like to be a creative woman over a hundred years old in your hundreds. Yeah. <laughs> Literally yeah. in your hundreds. And okay. she lived to be 105 and, and it just gave me a projection to the future. Like, so, and I think that the other, so then the other part was, I mean, I might not live that long, but if I do live that long, <laughs> you know, there's going to have to be some work involved probably. Wow. 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 wow, know, wow. Yes. To take care of myself. I don't want to mm-hmm. be living so long and like, and it's uncomfortable or totally painful. Anyway, so mm-hmm. those are sort of the three things. I love that. Thank you so much. Alif, what do you think? Key components to longevity. I'll start it with, for myself, mental state. Mm-hmm. And for longevity, being that I started at 18, there were waves of transitions in the world of dance and performance. And I I worked, but I didn't work consistently. And the auditioning process would got to the point where I would go to an audition and I knew if certain dancers were there, I knew, okay, I I would analyze it Sess it out, and then I would decide whether or not I wanted to spend two hours of my day, three hours mm-hmm. of my day at an audition when I know I'm not going to get it. I just didn't. I started to feel mentally discouraged. Mm-hmm. Um, and this started in my mid to mid to late 20s when everything was switching gears, hip hop was coming into play, mm-hmm. or the the street dancing and, and, you know, you, I trained in ballet. Um, so ballet has always been my base, but I also did tap and jazz and martyr and I did the whole thing. But, um, but it was for my mental state, I needed to take time out. Mm-hmm. So I would take time out to pull myself away and regroup in my head so I wouldn't lose why I'm doing this in the first place. I do it because it's my soul. I love it that much. And I love the creative process of of movement, everything about it. I love the way my body feels when I do it. And I didn't want to dislike it because of the work. I wanted to love my art. I consider it, I consider myself a creative artist at the end of the day. No matter what I'm doing, I consider myself, I'm creating all the time. Doesn't matter what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. So I started processing in my head that way. And I would take these timeouts and 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 then I would come back refreshed and regrouped and energized and and not mining the auditions. And, and if I didn't get it, I knew, okay, I'll go do some retail or I'll go take some classes, including Kim's classes or do some workshops. So I was always yeah. in and out, in and out, in and out for survival. Yeah. That and seems then- like such practical advice that I think most people don't hear a lot is like, if you want to do it for a long time, take breaks. Yeah. 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 Take, take a break. Breaks. Take a break. Yeah. <laughs> this is so makes so much sense. And, and then I, you know, once the body, my body changes in your thirties and your forties, I realized too, I needed to do other things, mm-hmm. um, to, um, um, to keep my body intact. So if I didn't do a ballet class, which is the first thing I would do, I would go to a ballet class. But then I would go to Kim's class because Kim had the method. And being that Kim's Kim's a dancer in the way she understood 
Kim understands her body, that worked for me because it helped me realize certain elements like you just don't pull up. There's something going on the inside of you. (laughs) So I would take Kim's class and then I started Pilates. So I was doing both, you know, both those, you know, methods along with dance and it helped my body. Oh yeah. Last a little bit longer. And I had, I still have power in my body. I have power in my body now at 60. There's power in my body because I reworked from the inside out. You have to work from the inside out, not the outside. doesn't Mm -hmm. matter how high you kick that leg. You got to work it from the inside and lift the leg up from the inside out and just do everything is in your core. <laughs> you just made me engage. I would, as you yeah. were saying that, I was pushing down and lifting up. I was like, <laughs> literally, I was tondoing the leg. I was, I was pre ma as you were talking. And it's such an important discussion, this cross-training conversation and the awareness mm-hmm. that having words to explain what's going on inside especially from a teacher's perspective, yeah. but then yeah. having words as a as the dancer creating it over and over for yourself, I think you have to give it a name and know what is going on, certainly in order to do it correctly ever. Mm-hmm. But if you want that to be the default, you have to know that so well and be recreating that so often that it becomes second nature and you don't have to use the words anymore. You don't have to think the things anymore. Like I, a neutral pelvis for me used to be so foreign, so odd, like so odd. And I also, I remember after the first time I took a Pilates class on a reformer because I did a couple mat classes and did not enjoy myself. Um, I took a Pilates class on a reformer and I thought, how have I ever danced without this Mm. Like, how was that even possible? Mm. And I look at videos and I'm like, well, <laughs> I was hanging by a thread, like, f- f- like technique wise, I was never mm-hmm. the strongest technician, always had a lot of heart, a lot of charisma. But I think in terms of my physical dancing body's longevity, that's essential. That knowledge that I gained yeah. from not dance class is mm-hmm. going to really help. So I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah. Yeah. What so well said, yeah, it's yeah, important. and you move, yeah, I still move, but I yeah. move differently because I'm the age that I am, but I still can move, I still yeah. have my lines, yes, you know, lines, I still have my groove, yeah. you better get you it, you know, yeah, and I have semi speed, but only because I've done all this inner work, yeah. and also my mental state of taking the timeouts that I needed. And plus I channeled my energy in other things Mm -hmm. like, okay, I won't be performing all the time, but I love production. I love behind the scenes and I'm going to bring up Kenny Ortega right now because once I started assisting him a lot, he transitioned while I was around him. So I, I danced but I also assisted in, in, in as he transitioned more into directing and producing, hence me being chosen to be associate producer for This Is It, because mm-hmm. I was around Kenny mm-hmm. constantly watching, wow. being behind the scenes, you know, and, and watching the whole process of how he directs and how the production, how the producing, the whole aspect of it and camera, yeah. film. Filming movement for camera. The meta, the meta, the stack of what you got to witness, though, is yes, all those things, that new space, but also you got to witness somebody transition. Yes. You got to witness somebody go from being the top of their game at one thing to being a newcomer at another thing. And he did it with grace and compassion, I'm guessing, wasn't there. Uh, But I, I was hired for. Actually, I was thinking about this story while you were talking about characters in um, uh, Smooth Criminal. When Kenny was directing a remake of Dirty Dancing, which did Mm -hmm. not wind up happening, if you recall. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't remember. Maybe this is 2015. Mm -hmm. 
14 maybe, can't remember, but somewhere around then. I was cast in this movie. I was riveted. I was so thrilled. We all were so excited. Um, And we only rehearsed for two weeks, but they were eight-hour days of like Mm -hmm. face-to-face, body-to-body, pelvis-to-pelvis dancing. Mm -hmm. Like we were really in it. And we had characters. We had names. Mm -hmm. We had – we called each other by our character names, not by like, hey, Dana, hey, Cassidy. But we were so in – even that early and the way that Kenny handled the um, the dissolving of the project or the de-escalation of the project mm-hmm. was so compassionate mm-hmm. and strong. Like no one doubted it or him. We, we felt supported and we, yeah. we felt supportive of him. And I'm sure, I mean, he's a very charismatic and heartful person, mm-hmm. but I, that just struck me as being the sort of thing that you can't teach and that even like 30 years in the industry, you don't learn how to do that. That's just a quality of his being. Um, but how cool to get to learn from yeah. him specifically how to how to do that, because let's be real, in dance and in life, transitions are hard and they are so important. Yeah. So I'm I'm so envious of your placement for that that you got to see that it's, time. But you said the key word in life. Yeah. All this that we're yeah. you know that we have Constant experienced. <laughs> it's it's life. Mm-hmm. You use it in your everyday life. And that's what helped me mentally um get get through this. Because mm-hmm. I fell into a depression. Um, right after um, Michael passed away, yeah. and it was it felt like I took it really, really hard, harder than I than I um, expected. So it, it was a weird thing for me, and I don't talk about it much, but I I feel that I've come out the other end of it, mm-hmm. and and this is why I'm. It's leading up to something. Oh no! I, I am. To, this is valid, even if it leads to nothing. Saying that it, out loud is important. I, it. This was a. This was the huge timeout. The biggest timeout I had mm. taken. I knew I had to do something drastic in my, in my life to lift myself up again, to be inspired again, to be to to feel I had purpose. Mm-hmm. So that's how far I have. That's how much I have fallen in my mental state. What ended up happening was um, I started going back and forth to England. Now, I lived in England in the 90s because um, I was married, but and I had friends there. So right after This Is It, I started going back and forth every year because London, the whole of the UK gave me energy, gave me life. And I had friends there that I knew from over 20 years ago. And I ended up going to a film festival in 2015. I was there for a few months in the summer. And it was called the Women's Over 50 Film Festival. So I went and it was advertised on TV in Brighton. So I decided to go. My friend goes, you should go. I said, yeah. So I went and I was so inspired by all these amazing filmmakers that were performing or behind the camera at 50 years old, women over 50. Mm-hmm. So it clicked in my head and I ended up introducing myself and saying who I was and gave them a little bit of the background and what ends up happening is the following year, I'm in university in called the Northern Film School in Leeds, UK, Yorkshire, UK. And I'm sitting in the classroom on my, how was I, 54, 54th birthday in a classroom learning about film. And I got a master's in fine arts and film for cinematography and directing. Wow. I love this. And it and I was able to make a film from that mm-hmm. um, that encompassed all my feelings. And I stayed the extra six months 
so I can make my own film. So I wrote it, I directed it, I choreographed it. The only thing I didn't do was shoot it. I couldn't shoot it, so I directed it. But it healed me. Mm, The film healed me. (laughs) And getting this degree got me out of the depression I was falling into. I had my creative juices back. I had my, because, you know, I was there for three years. So I was on top of, it was a whole Mm -hmm. process, but the whole time I still brought in all my experience as a dancer, as a teacher, as a choreographer, as working with, between Vincent and Kenny and all my other teachers, including you, Kim, all that knowledge I brought with me into being a filmmaker. And now, today, I'm just, I'm like here in my energy and in terms of, Her I don't know what's going to They were high. They're, the hands were high. I'm just letting people know because it's a podcast and they don't know where here is. I was just yeah. telling them. It's up there, I, y'all. She's up. She is up. She is, she is stacked. My hands are here. Way up. High fifth. Yay. No. But I'm in a, I'm in a really calm place in, in, in figuring out whatever's going to happen, happen. I'm still in my head. I'm still creating. Mm-hmm. I'm still active. I'm mm-hmm. still moving. I'm, I'm grateful. I'm happy as happy as I can be, you know, yeah, we're humans state. And, um, yeah, that's longevity. That Mm. is. And you both are underlining something so important. The simple element of having evidence that it is possible Mm. for you, Kim, it was this ceramic artist for you, Alif, it was this festival. You both got to Mm. see it working and that it can, And I want to thank you both for being examples of that today. Thank you so much for sharing. I really appreciate it. You're You're so welcome. welcome. Thank you for inviting us. Thank you for having us. Big, big, big love to both of you. I I sincerely hope our paths cross soon and that we get to like, to keep doing this, this bridging of the generational things because dance, this is the coolest thing. It doesn't Mm -hmm. stop. And I no. do believe that once you're a dancer, you're always a dancer. Yes. And it feels great to have things in common with you both and to, uh, you know, I admire you both tremendously. I marvel at the work that you have done and the work that you have seen and the changes that you've seen. I'm just like, wow. Uh, so thank you again for sharing. I hope that we get to do more of this bridging and building together. <laughs> Yay. Thank you. Dana. You're welcome. You're thank welcome. Thank you. Love, love. Thank you. Bye. All right, my friend, what do you think? Big takeaways for me include the importance of physical and mental approach to longevity, not just feeling your feelings, but also taking care of your body, not just doing things for your body, but also recognizing the signs of depression or a need for attention to your mental health, uh, recognizing the need to physically care for yourself and physically step away for your mental self. Something as simple as taking an actual break, y'all. Like it was mind blowing to hear Alif say that, like just take a break. Like that's actually the actual secret to longevity is taking breaks. And I don't mean a day off where you are still responding to work emails. I mean distance time and space distance away from the thing. Another thing I loved hearing about was how each of these women had like, you know, real time, real life examples of longevity, you know, placed before them. And if you don't have one in front of you now, go listen to this episode again, um, or go find a person, a, a, uh, the more seasoned, mature people in our communities may not be the coolest. They might not be the the trendiest or even the easiest to find, but I'm going to let you know they are probably the wisest and they are probably the most willing to share. Like, listen, listen, ask questions and listen to the answers from these people. In so many cases, they are the most knowledgeable, they are the most experienced, 
in many cases, they are probably also the funkiest. So get out there into the world, my friend. Talk to someone who's been there and done that. And of course, keep it exceptionally funky. I will talk to you soon. This podcast was produced by me with the help of many. Music by Max Winnie. Logo and brand design by Brie Reitz. And big thanks to Riley Higgins, our executive assistant and editor. Also, massive thanks to you, the mover who is no stranger to taking action. So go take action. I will not, cannot stop you from downloading episodes or leaving a review and a rating. I will not ban you from my online store for spending your hard-earned money on the cool merch and awesome programs that await you there. I will 100% not stop you from visiting wordsthatmoveme.com if you want to talk with me, work with me, and make moves with the rest of the Words That Move Me community. Oh, and also, I will not stop you from visiting thedanawilson.com if you're curious about all the things that I do that are not Words That Move Me related. (laughs) All right, my friend, keep it funky. I'll talk to you soon.